Last week, we looked at God is sovereign. And just a little recap there. Uh, We live in this post-truth world, uh, which creates some really problematic things because we just try to, it it really enables us more to create God in our own image where we say, my God would never do that. Or my God is like this. When the truth is, of course, that's what you think because you have invented a God who is just like you. It's not a matter of perspective or what you feel in your heart. There is an objective truth to God. And if you never have an encounter with God where you are overwhelmed, fearful, offended, or otherwise uncomfortable, then you don't have a sovereign, holy God, but you have an idol. So if God is who he is, then who is he? What is he like? What, who is this God that I'm calling on? Well, uh, the first thing we saw is that God is sovereign. And this week, we're going to look at how God is holy, that God is holy, 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 as Isaiah describes him. In Isaiah 6, chapter 3, uh, it says that, that Isaiah gets a vision um, that, that he is ushered into sort of the heavenly temple and he is sort of before the ancient of days uh, of the father himself uh, and he's sitting on this great huge throne that fills the temple and, and the train of his robe is so massive it fills the whole space um, and there are these angels you know flying around him uh, constantly saying and this is Isaiah 6 3 holy 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 is the Lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory Now, the ancient Hebrew language didn't have capital letters or underlining. So if you wanted to emphasize something, then you would say it multiple times. And the strongest emphasis is to say something three times. That means God being holy, holy, holy is perhaps the most important attribute of his. So what is holiness? Well, it means to be special or set apart in the, uh, in the Hebrew. Um, that word is kadosh, to be special, to be set apart. Now, we think of holy only as a religious term, which is important. There is an aspect often of divinity to it, um, but it actually has a ton of applications outside the church and the Bible. Here's the plainest way I understand it. Um, have you ever been to someone's house where they take off their shoes at the door you know, sometimes before they even go inside, maybe they leave their shoes outside or, you know, in a little mud room at the entrance. Uh, notice in Exodus 3, God tells Moses, this is what we read last week, God told Moses at the burning bush to take off his shoes because he's entered holy ground. I always wondered why someone's house or holy ground means no shoes. But would you walk on your bed with your shoes on? Probably not. So why is that? It's because there is a sanctity to your bed. You have set it apart as your special place for sleeping, hopefully away from all the dirt and grime of the world. Then God tells the Israelites in the Ten Commandments that his name and the Sabbath day are holy. The Sabbath day is not like any other day. You know, it is special. It's been set apart for a special purpose. Imagine if your parents said, you know, we're going to go on a romantic vacation without you. You might say, all right, uh, I guess so. You know, enjoy. Um, But then they say, well, we're going to do that uh, on Christmas Day. In fact, uh, we're not going to spend Christmas uh, with any of our family or little kids opening presents or, you know, making cookies or watching Christmas movies or something like that. Uh, We're going to, you know, do a romantic vacation that day. You might go, wow, that's it's kind of odd. You know, isn't Christmas all about joy with the whole family? Even non-Christians would generally think that's a weird day to do something like that. Right. It's a special day. It's been set apart with a special purpose. Or uh, imagine if my wife says to me on our anniversary or Valentine's Day, "Uh, it's just another day, right? There's nothing special about it. You don't need to do anything for me, right? Don't believe it. 
all right? It's absolutely a special day that has been set apart for romance and love. Even in a non-religious way, that's what holiness is. It's been set apart. There is something um, sanctified, right? Your home is this, or your bed is this sanctuary away from dirt and grime in the world. These days, um, we have sort of set them apart or elevated them to a special place. God's name is holy. It, it's elevated uh, to the point where we should treat it with reverence and care, just like a man hopefully treats Valentine's Day as special. Um, or hopefully uh, more so because Valentine's Day is a day whereas God is eternal and our creator and savior. So then how much more should we hold him uh, in high regard? So here's the final aspect of holiness. Um, as much as it means set apart, sanctified, stuff like that, right? Away, like your bed, your home is away from the dirt and grime of the world. Um, there is a, a purity or a sinlessness that often comes with holiness, right? Part of God's holiness is it means that he is without sin. Now, we've talked about sin in some of our other messages. Um, our sin makes us a broken reflection of God's image. We are made in God's image, but also acknowledge that, well, we're not totally like God. When it comes to God's holiness and our sin, Isaiah sees him in all his glory, right? In all his holiness, and he feels like this stain that's coming into contact with bleach. He feels like he's unraveling just in God's presence. Uh, this is what it says further in Isaiah 6, starting in verse 4. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean or unholy lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You know, I had a college student um, when I was at Trinity, um, who we, we took on this trip to Yosemite, uh, and there was a rock that was strictly off limits in Yosemite. Maybe you've been there to Glacier Point, um, and there's this like, you know, it's probably famous on Instagram, even though there's signs that say not to go on this rock and take a picture, because literally like it is overhanging probably like 4,000, even 5,000 feet uh, above the surface, and you will die. Um, and so she sees those signs, and decides to go walk on it. And she starts walking around on this rock where she's just feet away from death. And she's just doing it super casually while I'm well, yelling at her and telling her not to do that. But here's the interesting thing is even for her, as she's disrespecting and disobeying this, she begins to treat it with reverence because as she gets closer to the edge, she's not walking as fast. In fact, she gets lower, you know, closer so that way she can catch herself if she slips. She starts crawling uh, and going around with the utmost care because the forces of nature and gravity are far greater than her. This is why we approach God with reverence. We know he loves us. We see his beauty and his awesomeness, but we also recognize how holy, how awe-inspiring he is. That's who God is. So what does that mean for us? Notice how the awesome nature of that spot naturally led her to approach with caution and reverence. God's holiness should naturally spur us on to that kind of action. Look at what Peter says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in 
reverent fear. We are called to be different. As God's holy people, we've been set apart for a special purpose out of all the people in the world. You know, I had a friend uh, who told me a story that motivated him to be holy. He went to youth group, read his Bible, joined a small group. He went to camp. I mean, the whole nine yards. Uh, But he didn't want to stand out. Uh, You know, he just, when he was not in church, he would just try to blend in with everyone else. And he would act totally different at church or on Sundays. Um, And one day, I think it was his youth pastor, um, or sorry, what wasn't his youth pastor? It was a friend of his um, at his school said, wait, what? You're a Christian? I had no idea that you were a Christian. And uh, this, this friend wasn't being mean about it. He just genuinely didn't know. But my friend took that hard. After all those years of following Jesus, he was no different from the people around him. So take a good look at your daily life and ask yourself, do people know that I'm a Christian because of my actions? Am I holy in a world that is not? This isn't a holier than thou, look how much better I am than everyone else. This is a humility to say, God, you are so holy, so would you make me holy like you are? My prayer for us is that whenever we think about God, hopefully often, our image of him is holy and our identity is then shaped as his holy people. Our application of this truth then about God um, and about us is that we have been called to stand out and not to blend in. Right, let me say that again. This is kind of the core thing is that you and I as Christians have been called out to stand out and not to blend in.